Welcome to episode three of the Daddy Leave Diaries, a series of podcasts where I'm talking to Mark Gatto about his experiences of taking half a year of shared parental leave to look after his second baby. I'm Jeremy Davis from the Fatherhood Institute, and this podcast is an opportunity to unpick the reality of men combining work and family life in contemporary Britain. Mark's wife, Holly, gave birth to their new daughter in late February. It's now early May, and myself and Mark have only just caught up with each other, so I can hear about how things have been going since the baby was born. That's been partly the result of us not being able to coordinate our work diaries, an everyday story of both our day jobs getting in the way. But as you'll hear in this episode, Mark has also had more important challenges to contend with. Hi, Jeremy. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Great. Hurrah! <laughs> I was thinking it might be a problem at my end because I've got um, I've got new uh, whatever they're called headphones. Earphones. Yeah, I've just put mine on just right. to see if it was a problem with my computer. So, well, it's working. So that's the main thing. That's good. Okay, so how are you? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a, a it's been a, a huge change of life, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite a roller coaster um, is the way I would describe it. Um, quite a few downhill bits. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> starting to climb a bit more now, so that's good. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, t- so tell tell us. Um... Tell us everything. So my wife, um, Holly, was um, induced. Um, it was a kind of the typical week beyond due date arrangement. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that was quite a long process in the end. It took about just over 24 hours. It was about, well, about 30 okay. hours, I think. So it was okay. a bit tiring, but um, it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly felt for Holly in the end. It was a... She was exhausted, as as I think is normal. Mm. But she was, I think that was particularly exhausting. Um, but uh, daughter was born. Um, she was very healthy, good, good weight. So yeah, um, we were really really happy with that. Um, and just kept in for some observations for just overnight. Um, so I had to go home at that point. Um, mm. So my first child um my son he um i was able to stay in for the whole time actually mainly because we had a, a room um that was just us um mm. so this time i had to go home which felt really strange i have to say um mm. and i i think i acknowledged that last time was probably an exceptional circumstance but this time it did feel weird to having mm. been through the whole process you know being there as a my daughter was born and then held her and and then having to leave that really felt like quite a wrench um mm, mm. but um so that was the that was a thursday night and then i came back and on the friday and how so, long did so how long did you get with uh with the baby before you had to go i was there so she was born at in the evening mm. and I left around midnight, if my memory okay. serves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that was 
um, kind of more procedural um, medical into like um, interventions at that that point just to kind of mm. finish up the, the birthing process um, mm. but then there was some there was a, a nice period of time where we could be in the room with her and that was that was mm. lovely um, and and then obviously it was moving to a bay um, and that was the point at which we were going to be going our separate ways for the night um, mm. yeah so that it wasn't rushed, you know, if I felt like there was time to, to at least be aware of what had happened and to try and take it in. But um, it's mm. still, I felt like the, the clock was ticking because I was aware that we had to, mm. I couldn't stay overnight. So, yeah, that was, uh, mm. Mm. I mean, in some ways it was probably for the best because I was going to be driving home. So I wouldn't, I probably would have struggled to sleep in, um, one of the hospital chairs so i think yeah, there, yeah. Were some, there were some positives to that um but just in terms of being sure i was safe to drive but other than that it would i think i would have preferred to have stayed with them overnight but that was that wasn't an option and was um, that and do you think is it always like that in that hospital or was it i think so yeah sort of think, covid thing no i think normally it's if you're in a shared bay um mm. then you the partner isn't allowed to stay overnight mm. um i might be wrong about that i don't know if there's some covid19 legacy mm. policy there but mm. i think typically it's restricted to visiting hours once the initial birth and and, and all of that has, has has happened like partners can stay throughout that but then mm. once it's um if there's any requirement for like an overnight stay then it's partners are going home and returning for visiting hours in the morning mm. or, or the afternoon you're, you're kind of allocated a, a morning or afternoon time mm. um, which fortunately for us we got a morning time um and basically spent the rest of the friday trying to uh get the kind of um discharge sorted so that, that took a while as well so it was a bit right. of a a drawn out process um mm. eventually we got home um left late on friday afternoon so that was great but uh yeah i basically spent most of that day trying to do the uh subtle hints <laughs> to we'd really like to go home now to uh, actually leave yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was no reason to, to stay any longer but uh, i think it was one of those days where there was quite a lot going on so i obviously appreciate that but uh, yeah, we would really pleased to get home. It's so interesting that the, it's interesting that that happens even when you're when the uh, person giving birth is a doctor, because mm. I I always assume that like if you're a doctor or you know some sort of health professional that you that you might be treated a bit differently, like you know yeah. because you know what's going on and we, we, the language we... and all of that. There are, I mean, there are obviously some benefits to knowing the language and mm. um, looking for some of the uh, sort of signposting what you would like and knowing a bit more about that. But mm. I would equally say that, that from my experience with Holly, I think there may be some um, challenges with that. Perhaps the staff who are in the room might feel a little bit anxious because they're looking okay, at someone yeah. who is um yes yeah. you know, a doctor you know so yeah 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 it's, it's, it's perhaps, threatening it maybe 
Yeah, I don't know if it's I, I, that's me just speculating. So I don't know if it's true, but it it, it was interesting because the, there was a couple of is, issues with the induction where we felt that Holly had asked about something and it, it wasn't acted upon at the time. And only later did it was it then resolved, and that took quite a lot of time to get resolved. Mm. And I, I did wonder if that might have been because of this kind of dynamic between being aware that Holly's a doctor. So I've, that might have played a role. I'm not sure. But I, yeah, it's not that, that assumption, which you, you do wonder if that if there's some kind of preferential or, you know, looking after your colleagues. Um, mm. that, to some extent, yes. And obviously they, they talk and, and um, you have like conversations that are between colleagues because they are colleagues, but uh, it didn't feel like there was that sort of preferential treatment to me. Mm. Not mm. not based on our, certainly on the Friday there wasn't. No, <laughs> it was mainly just constantly asking, like, "Can we get this moving?" You know, so it wasn't. I didn't yes. feel like there was any preferential treatment at all at that point. <laughs> okay, so there, so eventually you escaped. Yes, that's right. Well, and, and then we, we got home and um, our daughter was, all, was uh, feeding well. That was all looking good, breastfeeding. Um, uh, and that was feeling really positive. Um, first time round with our son, there was a bit of a challenge with um, establishing breastfeeding. Um, we've later come to realise that that was partly due to his birth experience. And I think he had a bit of a it's called like a stiff neck um so that affected his his ability to oh, latch okay. so that's something we've discovered and i'll come to this in a minute with the, the roller coaster that we've experienced but um that that might explain why that happened but this time around it all seemed to be going really well um but after the kind of first few days we had uh, a midwife visit which is a standard thing um and um they advised a particular technique to mm-hmm. to do breastfeeding which was different to what holly was doing um and it seemed to be a good idea that the way it was explained it was from recent training so that we that felt like a sensible thing to to do um and so that was changed and from there that's when the problem started <laughs> oh god yeah yeah so it really affected um it, in terms of Holly's experience really um and that's where we had experiences with infections so there was some um issues with the the skin and and then it was basically mastitis is the the medical term um, which is inflammation of the breast um and that really was kind of the start of this journey um which is, it has been very kind of emotionally draining, I would say, and, and it's for Holly. Extreme, it's extremely painful, painful, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can only speak as, as a partner, but I, I, I've, she's been, she's really had a tough time. Um, and mm. it's it went on for, gosh, it must be, so my daughter's 10 weeks now. I think it must be a good eight weeks at least of persistent variations of mastitis yeah um 
uh, and we we're not certain, but we feel like the start of that problem might have been this change of technique, um, which seemed to cause a bit of a um, problem with the way that the, the milk was flowing. Um, so that might have contributed to the issue. We don't know, though. That's not it's not been formally investigated in that way. But that's mm. it, it was going well until that happened and then it slowly built up. But um, we had a hospital admission in there, so um, with, with the infection rising. Um, mm. and, and so it really was, it was quite serious at one point. And then it, 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 rounds of antibiotics. Um, and so for the first four weeks, I was off with, with um, both paternity and then the first block of my shared parental leave. Mm. So that, that the first week felt okay, and then obviously this um, infection became a real issue into the second week. So f- from the second week onwards, this was really the the main concern of of, of uh, the time off. Mm. Um, and there were a couple of days where antibiotics seemed to resolve the problem, and then it would come back in a different form. Um, of mm. some type of inflammation or um, other other forms of infection that seem to just persist, and so different treatments followed from there. And mm. and with each passing day, where you thought, oh, is it getting better? And then the next day, oh no, it's come back. It was just increasingly um, fatiguing and emotionally draining. Um, yeah. Certainly for Holly, but oh, then for me, certainly I felt the same. And mm. it just it, it just was a constant concern of stress and in the meantime trying to maintain a sense of more normality for our son who's obviously just become a, an older brother so yeah. that was um, a really really difficult time and in in reality has only started to feel okay in the last week I would say wow. um, yeah so the, the the we've had scans it about two weeks ago we had a scan it was two weeks today actually i think um to kind of rule anything out that was causing this um mm. and then, then we had what what really has been the difference was um we went to see a lactation consultant which is a a role out out with the nhs it's a you had to have make a private appointment for this because we mm. kind of were at our wits end at this point we really didn't mm. know and within, I think, within a minute, she had said, oh, it's, your, it's the latch, that's the problem. And, okay. <laughs> and it was oh God, how immediately annoying. changed that. <clears throat> yes. and, um, back to what you were doing originally, probably. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah pretty much back to what we were doing originally. Um. <clears throat> and uh, the inflammation didn't settle down immediately. Uh, there was still pain. But then with just treatment with ice, so just mm. cold treatment over the mm. last week or so, it's finally settled down. Mm. But I mean, the fact that this, even beyond that, that, so that revelation moment was great. We were relieved to think, oh, there was an actual issue that wasn't, mm. it was, you know, more of a, I suppose, mechanical issue. It's something that could be shifted mm. and changed and could help it but even a week after that that it hadn't improved properly mm. so that it must have I, my speculative idea as a partner was that perhaps it was that these 
ducts weren't being using used fully before that point, and perhaps suddenly using them a lot was causing a, a degree of inflammation. Right. Um, this is me okay. as not a doctor, so that's just a pure speculation. But um, so this is the kind of thing that, as a partner, <clears throat> when you're when when the birth mother is is breastfeeding, you you become some kind of expert or very yes. invested, very invested in breastfeeding and yes. you, you're looking up different reasons why this is happening in a particular way and yeah so that was we were just desperately trying to work out what the problem was and mm. thankfully um the cold treatment has finally worked and things are, are looking up which is brilliant because it has mm. been a hell of a journey um mm. Mm. on the flip side you know our daughter's doing well our son's doing fine he's, he's adapting there's been plenty of tantrums um, <laughs> <laughs> which have uh, to be expected but yeah he's had his moments yeah. um yeah, yeah. He's, doing, he's doing fine um but yeah that that has been really like a an anchor sort of dragging behind us for the whole time until i'd say the last week so, and, and has the midwife? So the midwife who recommended this mm. different approach has it, has she been involved since then? So or the midwife was involved um, because our, our our main midwife wasn't available for those first couple of appointments. Right. Now I wouldn't I wouldn't blame that midwife really because what they were um, communicating to us was something that from what we now understand is is tr training that has been delivered across a number of um, midwives in the region. So it's mm. um, a, like a hospital administrated um, or training. It's training that's been delivered recently because that's what the separate lactation consultant um, shared with us. Is this is something that is being disseminated that, that mm. it's, it's a problem really that's affecting more than isolated people. So when okay. you consider that breastfeeding numbers in general are really low in the UK, yeah. um, I think it's particularly bad in the Northeast of England um, okay. where we're based. Um, you're talking perhaps about a handful of people at any one time that might be attempting to breastfeed. And so, if they are then being told about this technique, that, then it may have this effect or it may not, but you, you're really thinking it's going to be a very small number of people that are affected. So it might not be causing such an issue that it's going to be addressed quickly. Um, mm, okay. Certainly for us, um, we may uh, provide some feedback to, to highlight where we think things have gone wrong, but um, mm. it's uh, thankfully it's, now going right but it did take us having to go outside of the nhs to, to find that solution but it mm. certainly was a, a source of of stress <laughs> no <laughs> i'm sure and that's my and that's... nervous laugh almost that's uh kind of just thinking about it it's uh, a sense of relief is is palpable yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i guess i guess it's sort of that colors your whole experience of the early absolutely weeks. does yeah I mean, and, you and I imagine you're kind of—it's um, like you're denied that sort of relaxed mm. um, 
I don't know, comfortable yes. uh, bonding time with the baby and all of that because the bit, because the combination of mother and baby becomes mm. a sort of stressful it does. experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, we've obviously, both of us made conscious efforts to to bond with our daughter and, and, and try and make the most of that and appreciate that. But yeah, you can't get away from the elephant in the room, which is an ever present mm. Um, issue that we, we we were really struggling to to work out whether it was ever going to get better. You know, there was the mm. point where you really started to question uh, what what is this? You know, what what can possibly mm. um, be causing this? Um, so, Mark and Holly didn't get the easiest of starts to their life as second time parents. Of course, lots of us don't. In terms of breastfeeding in particular, figures suggest that while around 80% of UK mothers start breastfeeding, only around a quarter are exclusively breastfeeding at six weeks, and only 1% are exclusively breastfeeding at six months, which is what the World Health Organization recommends. Four-fifths of mothers who stop breastfeeding in the first six weeks say they'd have liked to continue for longer. Better support for fathers, who are hugely influential on breastfeeding initiation and continuation, could be hugely helpful. But like so much of what we're talking about in this podcast, dads aren't factored in to the NHS perinatal system. In the next episode, we'll hear more from Mark about his experience of these difficult early weeks and about the crucial role employers can play, for good or ill, in dads' lives at this point. See you again next time.